Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. I'm going to talk today, and I'll be talking for the next three weeks beyond this, about expanding our horizons. And I have a question for you today. What do you see? What do you see? I I believe many times what we receive is connected to what we personally see. And if you see wrong, you're going to receive wrong. Hallelujah. And so what do we see? Do we see a new country, a new outreach? Do we see another people group? Do we see a a new song? An additional stream of income? A new home, a new property, a debt paid supernaturally? I believe that 2024 for Karis Christian Center is going to be the greatest year of expansion that we've ever seen. Praise God. And I'll tell you personally, I do not, I am not a doomsdayer. I don't see the U.S. economy going to hell in a handbasket. I don't see a a big crash. I'm telling you personally, and you know what, this is just personally, I may be completely wrong. I don't claim to be a prophet, but I personally, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay personally, aggressively invested. Hallelujah. And that's basically my personality, and it served me very, very well, okay? But I do not see a lot of terrible negative things. So in my personal opinion, there will be doomsdayers. There will be these people out there prophesying that the American economy is going to crash and the banks are going to go broke and the money's going to go to nothing. And I think they're all a bunch of liars. And so I think they're all getting it wrong. So personally, I'm taking risks. Personally, I'm taking aggressive. I'm staying aggressive. Praise God. And you need to do that within reason, okay? You don't want to be stupid. Praise God. So no matter how much I thought God told me anything, I would never personally take over 20% of my investments and put in any one thing, no matter, no matter if I thought God spoke to me. Amen? And uh, generally people do that, get really, really burnt. Of course, you know, when I was about 14 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I read some books by some major Christian leaders who I still tremendously respect. And one man talked about there was a certain man he prayed. He always heard God, and he never missed God in an investment. And I thought, that's the person I want to be. And now I'm 59. And I'll tell you what, I've made more money than most people, and I've lost more than most people. And I've made a lot more than I've lost. But I will tell you this. I don't believe that person ever existed. Because the very best people only win about 70% of the time. That's just how it is. And you are not 100% spirit. You have a soul and you have a body. Amen? Now, last year, the Lord spoke to me at the first of the year, and he told me it would be a year of restoration. And we had tremendous, tremendous restoration in this church in a number of ways. Praise God. One thing is we had been in a challenge with the roof. We had been in a challenge physically, right, with the 
HVAC systems and the insurance came after we were told that they would never settle with us on a hail claim and they settled with me peaceably in 10 weeks time, praise God. And by the grace of God, I stood on this platform and, and it looked like there's no way we could do this. And by the grace of God, we are getting a total new HVAC system and a total new roof for what the insurance company paid us. Of course, we're paying the engineering, we're doing some on the electrical, so on and so forth. There's some extra things that we're doing, but it is the grace of God. And even though in some areas we were really challenged, the investments in this church did very, very well. And, and praise God, so in one sense, we had the best year we've ever had. Hallelujah. So we thank God for his grace. We thank God for his goodness. And I literally believe that 2024 will be the greatest year of expansion that we've ever seen in this ministry. Praise God. In fact, I got a little report. And uh, my technical staff, I want to thank them for getting this for me. Uh, really, they did this on their days off. But in the last several months, we made all of our teaching, all of our video downloadable and free on the internet. We also received a grant for a legacy uh, gift for children, and we wanted to use that for children's curriculum. And so we developed the first year of our children's curriculum. We intend by about April to have the second year of our children's curriculum done. We intend by late summer to have the first year of our junior high curriculum done and the second year, you know, to come after that of our junior high curriculum. After that, we'll do a special kids curriculum and a special youth cur curriculum. We have been paying over, uh, we've been paying $900 a year for a downloadable children's curriculum. We just got this up, you know, late this year. But since we've done that, to, and we've made it free, absolutely free. We have had over uh, 387 uh, children's curriculum downloaded. We've had nearly 5,000 teaching products and, uh, and downloadable videos downloaded, and they went to 31 countries in six continents. So I'll tell you, we're, it's really, really growing. So I'll tell you some of those countries, the US, Mexico, Canada, Puerto Rico, Honduras, Peru, and the Bahamas. In Africa, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Uganda, Kenya, Botswana, Cameroon, Ghana, and Nigeria. In Asia, Vietnam, Indonesia, Myanmar, the, the Philippines, India, Hong Kong. Uh, in, in Europe, the UK, Ireland, France, Spain, Estonia, Georgia, Germany, Germany, the Czech Republic, and last of all, Australia. There may be some that I've missed, but we are expanding in the teaching that we're giving is going all over the world, and it's going to increase more and more and more. Praise God. Not only the, that, the churches that we have helped plant and helped purchase, Max Cornell in Kansas City is doing a fantastic job. His church is very healthy. It's growing. And actually churches, he's been raising up churches out of that. Praise God, Brian Clark in North Carolina is doing a fantastic job. 
they're going to be both be here at camp meeting. You know, we've got two, you know, very special meetings that we're going to have this year. I hope that you will take time and put these in your calendar. Number one, we have Rejoice. Of course, we're going to have Kathy Duplantis. She has a, a great anointing on her life for soul winning. She is a soul winner, and she preaches a great gospel message. Kathy Duplantis will be here, my wife Barbara, my daughter-in-law Heather, and I'm going to share also this year. So that's coming up in February. I think it's 8th through 10th. I may be wrong on the dates. Then in June, we're going to have our summer our Holy Ghost camp meeting. So you can't call it that. That's old-fashioned. Well, that's what it is. And at Rejoice, they're going to get a lot of ladies saved and healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we have a lot of people filled with the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. Recently on a Wednesday night, Aaron was teaching. Aaron Heather got up, gave a word at the end. Six people were baptized with the Holy Spirit on a Wednesday night. Amen. People saved. People filled with the Holy Ghost. People healed. Somebody said, hey, I'd like to see more manifestations of the Spirit. Of course, I'd always like to see more. But I want to tell you there's lots of them. And we have lots of people, amen, that have been healed supernaturally by the power of God. And I believe that will continue to go forward. It will continue to increase. A lot of times we don't tell you about a lot of these different things. And, but there's a lot of amazing, amazing things. And I'm amazed at the grace of God. I'm amazed at the power of God and the goodness of God. But I believe that we're going to go forward. We're going to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you a little bit about camp meeting. We're going to have Mark Hankins. We're going to have both Max Cornell and um, Brian Clark. And Brian is a phenomenal teacher. Then we're going to have uh, David Winston. David Winston spoke uh, for Kenneth Copeland and he spoke to the youth at uh, Southwest Believers Convention this year. David Winston's going to be speaking to our youth. And if I have time, I'll work him into the uh, adults. We're going to have Philip Renner. The anointing on Philip is phenomenal. And as an evangelist, Philip had over 3,000 people born again, mostly in places where Christians are hated mostly at gay and lesbian parades and the most hateful things towards Christians. It's just amazing the anointing that is on his life and what he's seen. He, he recently went to Denver University and got out there on the sidewalk and was just worshiping God. The head of the de music department came and said, I've been trying to get my music students to do this, had a bunch of people born again. Hallelujah. He went to see you, Boulder, you know, when they're having this terrible, you know, thing and just gets out there and just worships God. People come out to beat him up with baseball bats and end up falling on their knees and getting saved and getting born again. I'm telling you, it is going to be fantastic. And so make time in your schedule. Plan it. Praise God. That's going to be the middle of June. Amen. From a Wednesday night to Sunday morning. It's going to be great. Amen. And so I am super, super excited about the future. I am super excited about God, what God is doing. Amen. And I am expecting great things in this church. And I am expecting great things personally. Praise God. And I'm expecting great things personally, financially, great things for this church financially. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. That is not a word from God. That is a word from Lawson. Okay. 
Amen. I love you and we appreciate it. We're going to talk about expanding our horizons. I believe that God wants us to grow personally and I believe that God wants us to grow uh, spiritually. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 14. It says, And the Lord said unto Abram after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. For all the land which you see, to you will I give it into your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise and walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar to the Lord. Now, a number of things that I see when I look into this. First of all, God spoke to him and he said, listen, lift in verse 14, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. If you want to get from where you are to where God wants to take you, you've got to open your eyes. You've got to look. He says, look north, look south, look east, look west. For all the land that you see will I give it to. Praise God. God will give you what you see. And if you see wrong, you will receive wrong. So he says, look around. The second thing he told him as we look at, or the major second thing that he said, he said, I want you to walk through this land in the length of it and in the breadth of it. I want you not only to see it, I want you to experience it. I want it to become real to you. I want you to feel it. I want you to smell it. I, I, I want you to experience it. And finally, he said, I want you to possess it. I think there are places that God wants us to go. There are things that God wants us to do. And there are things that God wants us to possess. Praise God. Amen. So we need to go to the Word of God and we, and we need to look out. Hallelujah. Did you know this earth is our place? Psalm 115 says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has He given to the children of men. And when you begin to understand that, see, this, world, this earth is not the devil's place. Satan is the God of this world system, but the earth and the fullness of it are the Lord's, and he's given it to the children of men. This is our place. And when you understand who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, you can take authority and you can make a difference while you are here on this earth. But how do we expand our horizons, both personally and as a church? Number one, I believe it begins with what we see. God spoke to Abram and he said, lift up your eyes. Look north, look south, look east, and look west. And if you don't see right, you're not going to receive right. In Jeremiah chapter 
1, verse 11, God asked Jeremiah, he said, what do you see? And God, Jeremiah said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you have seen well. If you don't see right, you're not going to receive right. And he said, I will hasten my word to perform it. Did you know what? I cannot make the word come to pass. It's up to me to do the believing, but it's up to God to do the performing. Hallelujah. Does this make sense? Now, I'll tell you what happens in churches like ours. A lot of times people come and they hear the promises and they hear the things, but then they go in the strength of their own hand or their own power and they try to make the word come to pass in their own strength and it doesn't work. And I'll tell you, I've done that myself. Okay? <laughs> but when you rely on God and you rely on the grace of God, I believe that you can move into what God has for you. So God asked Jeremiah, said, what do you, he said, I see the rod of an almond tree. He said, you've spoken well, you're seeing well, because I'm going to hasten my word to perform it. We do the preaching, we do the believing, but we leave the performing up to God. It takes God to accomplish his purpose. The other scripture that I love, and you've heard it many times, but it's in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, if you study that uh, word out in the Hebrew, it means where there is no prophetic enlightenment, the people are casting off all restraint. Where there's no prophetic insight, where there's no prophetic enlightenment, where there's no prophetic revelation, right? The, the, he says, the people are perishing, but he that keeps the word of God. The number one place I believe that vision comes from is the word of God. The second place I believe that vision comes from, vision comes from God himself. And vision comes from the Holy Spirit. The third place that I believe that, that vision comes from is vision comes from people of vision. You see, I heard this a long time ago, and I found it to be true. It's hard to fly like an eagle when you're hanging around a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? My grandmother told me this years ago. Birds of a feather flock together. And then another person came in a pulpit and said a few years later, and flocks fly the same place. Listen, I want to be around a bunch of people who are believing God, who are going forward, who are reaching out. Hallelujah. I don't want to just be stuck. Amen. And sometimes I've been a little bald. Sometimes I've been a little aggressive in some things. But I'd like to make a difference and not just settle for the status quo. Amen. You know, recently the leader of a very large ministry, uh, fairly close to here, said a great book to read is one why you shouldn't be political in the church. Well, I'm going to tell you what. 
If there weren't people who were political in the church, we would not have the United States of America because it's a bunch of people that left Europe because of religious persecution. And if the church doesn't stand up and if the church doesn't tell the truth, you know what? We're not going to keep the freedoms that we have. And I may lose a few people, and I'm telling you politically, a lot of times I'm wrong. But I will tell you, I think the church needs to stand up and say a few things. And if the church doesn't, that's why this nation was founded. That's why one of the first amendments is what? The freedom of speech and the freedom of religion and the freedom to gather publicly. So I'm not going to bow down and and just play this seeker-sensitive game and try to make everybody happy. Hallelujah, I'd rather please God. And I'll tell you something else that I have a strong aversion to. I have a strong aversion to saying one thing and doing another. Recently, somebody told me about a public figure that had been elected, and everybody was saying, don't elect this person, don't elect this person, don't vote for this person. And within just a little bit, they put him on a church stage. And I have a strong aversion to do that. And now the church is all gathering around. Oh, he was, he was a pastor. Listen, we got good friends at First Press where he used to be a pastor. And these good friends at First Press said he doesn't stand for anything that we stand for. And if my good friends at First Press have that much brains, some of us who are spirit-filled ought to have that much brains. And until they start standing up for some godly perspectives and quit standing for ungodly perspectives. I am not for putting them on a public stage and celebrating people who are celebrating gays and lesbians and celebrating all this woke stuff because they say yes to that and then they say yes to the... People got to make up their mind who they are. Jesus said, woe to you. Who He said, you are like the whitewashed tombs. You look pretty on the outside, but inside you are full of dead men's bones. And I think it's time that the church of Jesus Christ stands up and is counted and stands for righteousness and quits playing political games just trying to get the favor of people that are living like the devil and standing for demonic principles. Forgive me if I'm too bold. But it just, there's just something in me that says this is wrong and and it's until they start standing up for some godly principles and make them some policies that are right, I am not going to stand up and celebrate them. Forgive me. Hallelujah. Amen. So I got that out. Forgive That's an extra. Hallelujah. Amen. But it begins with what do we see? What do you see? Jeremiah saw right and he received right because he saw right. And we've got to see faith begins in the realm of the things that we see. Turn with me really quickly to Hebrews chapter 11. 
And I want to look at two verses specifically in Hebrews chapter 11. First of all, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were made of uh, were not made of things which do appear. So God created the heaven. He created the earth. He created everything that we see with things that are not seen. Hallelujah. Amen. He took his word. Now, if you study the Genesis chapter 1, creation in the beginning God created the heaven and earth verse 1 verse 2 says and the earth was without form and void the the earth was but it says and the holy spirit hovered or moved upon the face of the deep if you study that word about the holy spirit hovered or moved upon the face of the deep it's like the holy spirit hovered over the earth i believe the holy spirit was was coming up with a plan. And then after that, it says, God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. You see, I believe the Holy Spirit has the plan, but God spoke it into existence. Now, we are created in the image of God, and just like God operates in faith, if you're going to operate in faith when the Holy Spirit speaks some things on the inside of you, you're going to have to say some things in the natural realm. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, We then, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, so also we believe and we speak. Then it goes down here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, and he's talking about Abraham and Sarah. And he says right in the middle when he's talking about Abraham and Sarah, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. You've got to see it before you go there. And if you can see it on the inside, I believe that you can walk in it on the outside. They saw them afar off. And number two, they were persuaded of them. Once you see it, you got to get persuaded. As you can tell, I'm very well persuaded, maybe a little bit too persuaded about some things. Amen? But if you see some things, then you got to be, be persuaded of them. And then the third thing, and they embraced them. Praise God. So when you see the promises, amen, and you get persuaded of the promises, you embrace the promise. I have embraced the promises of God. I have embraced things that God has said. And sometimes I've embraced them so much because they're a revelation to me. It may seem a little offensive to people who don't have revelation in those areas. Amen. But when, you're, when you see it, right, and you get persuaded of it and you embrace it, you cannot help but confess it. Because when something is a personal revelation to you, you can't help sometimes but say something about it. Amen? 
So if we're going to expand our horizons, it begins with what we see. We got to be, if we're going to go farther, if we're going to do more, if we're going to accomplish more, we've got to see different than the average person around us. Amen? The second thing, it continues through what we get a revelation of. After God told Abram in Genesis 13, verse 14, lift up your eyes and look. Look north, look south, look east, look west. For all the land that you see, I will give it to you and your seed. Then he said in verse 17, get up and walk through the land. I want you to walk through it. I want you to experience it. I, I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you to taste it. I want you to smell it. I, I want it to become real to you. Hallelujah. If you're going to possess it, you've got to begin to see it. Hallelujah. You need to begin to see yourself. If you're trying to get healed, you need to begin to see yourself doing what you could not do. Praise God, you need to begin to see yourself, you know, accomplishing what you could not accomplish. You need to begin to see yourself. If you're believing in the financial realm to, to, to get out of something that somebody says you can't, you need to start seeing it. You need to see, start seeing yourself paying off your car, seeing yourself paying off your house, seeing yourself giving at a level that maybe you thought wasn't impossible before. Hallelujah, if you can see it, I believe you can possess it. You know, while Aaron was going to college, Aaron was going to full-time college, he was actually giving more to this church and he was giving to other churches that he went to too He was than a lot of people were making. And while he, was, while he was a flute player with no regular job, he believed God and paid all of his college debt off in one year supernaturally. Now, I use him as an example, not because he's my son, but to tell you, you know what? If Aaron can do it, you can do it. Hallelujah. And it not only worked for Aaron. You say, well, Aaron's a pastor. Yeah, but it was working before he became a pastor. It's worked for my other sons. And you know what? I've seen a lot of people come, and when they start believing the word, they start re receiving in a completely different area. But you've got to see it. You need to see yourself healed. You need to see yourself prospering. You need to see yourself at peace. You need to see yourself debt free. You need to see yourself winning the lost. You need to see yourself laying hands on the sick and them recovering. You need to see yourself raising the dead. You need to see yourself casting out devils. You need to see yourself. You need to see cancers being healed and blind eyes being opened and deaf ears being opened. We've seen a lot of those things happen. Hallelujah. But if you don't see it on the inside, you'll probably never see it on the outside. So they saw it and they were persuaded of it and they embraced it and it caused them to say some things. They confessed. Hallelujah. But when you see it, praise God, and you embrace, you get persuaded of it. Hallelujah. In fact, Andrew Womack came here. This was 2005 or 2006. It was when we were over in his building on Elkton but he, he prophesied over Barbara and I, and he gave us a word. And Andrew Womack has given me about 22 words in the last 45 years. And 21 of them have come to pass. 
So he's got a pretty good track record, okay? And I'm still believing the other one's going to come to pass. I believe I'll see it, at least the beginning of it in this year. Amen? But anyway, and that one he gave me in 2013. So it's been a few years, 10 years since he gave that word. See, sometimes God gives you a word, it might take a while. But if you don't quit believing and you get persuaded of it, amen, it'll cause you to say some things. And Andrew laid hands on Barbara and I and he said, you're in the second stage of a five-stage plan that God has for your life and your ministry. And as I prayed about it that week, the Lord showed me what they were. He said the first stage was the church in Kit Carson. The second stage was the church here. And there are three major areas that are going to come out of this church. One of them has to do in, in, with, you know, media ministry. One of them has to do with pastors and churches. Hallelujah. And I won't tell you what the last one's about right now. Amen, because we're not in that one. But in all those things we were working in, but I believe what the Lord says comes to pass, but he, get, he puts a picture, and once he puts a picture on the inside of you, you know what, I tried for a while not to talk about that, but it was so real on the outside of me that once in a while, see, you get under the anointing, and the anointing will cause you to say some things once in a while. Amen. In fact, there was a great leader in, in the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world, and he said some things while he was under the anointing. This was years and years ago, and so they called him in to the denominational headquarters. He said, our denomination is like a woman on a pill. She hasn't given birth to nothing new for years. So they called him in to the denominational headquarters, and they said, did you say this? He said, I don't know. <laughs> they asked him again. Strike number one. Did you say this? He said, I don't know. So they played it to him, you know, on a cassette deck. <laughs> uh, they said, now, what do you have to say about that? He says, it's amazing what a man will say when he's under the anointing. <laughs> sometimes, you know, when you get under the anointing, and I don't know what anointing it is, uh, but sometimes, sometimes it's caffeine. Uh, <laughs> you say something that you look later, man, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you think, you, you think I'm, I get, uh, I hear about it a lot. Okay, praise the Lord. But when you see differently, praise God, when you see something and you embrace it and you get persuaded of it, you can't help but talk about it. Hallelujah. Then the second thing, it continues with what you got, a revelation, a walk through the land, the length of it, the breadth of it, for I'm going to give it to you. Let it become real to you. You see, because people need more in church than information. They need revelation. And I've seen a lot of people that just get information from somebody else. It's somebody else's revelation. And they try to communicate it, but they have no personal revelation. But there's a lot of difference between information and revelation. So we got to get a revelation of some things. God said, I want you to get a revelation of it. You see, the Bible actually says this in John chapter 4, verse 24. It says, God is a spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We not only need the truth of the word of God, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, there is a great example, and if you want to turn there with me to Acts chapter 19, I want to show you this, and it says this, in, we'll start in verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, unusual miracles, 
so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You see, the anointing is transferable. So they took cloths from his body, and when they put it on sick people, they got healed, and some of them got the devil cast out. So there were certain vagabond Jews, exorcists, who took on them to call over those who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. Those guys had some information, but they had no personal revelation. And, and, when the, and there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew chief priest, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them. You got to watch out when you're messing with devils. And he prevailed so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them who used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before them all. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. It was like $5 million of witchcraft books that they burned. Now it says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. But there is a danger when you just have information, but you don't have a personal revelation. And revelation will do some things for you. Amen? In fact, I just got a newsletter yesterday from Mark Hankins, and he said some things about revelation. He said revelation will capture, revelation knowledge will capture the imagination he said, God reveals himself, and you can only really know God through revelation. You can study that out in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, my Father has revealed this to you. Amen? Praise God. You need revelation that comes from God. Then he said also this, every advance in faith is an advance in revelation knowledge. You need to begin to operate in revelation, not just information. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, some of these people who call themselves seers, who call themselves prophets, it is not revelation. Because they're saying a lot of stuff that just don't ever happen. And they've been saying it for 50 years. And if you believe them, you just stay poor. And you know what? I don't believe them. Hallelujah. So that's why I'm saying some stuff. Okay? Now, I could be wrong. I tell you, sometimes I speak, sometimes I'm, I've been wrong. Like I said, especially politically. So uh, maybe I shouldn't say so much about some of that. Okay, so praise the Lord. But you need to get a revelation from God. You need to let the word become real to you. You need to let the word that's been spoken to you be spoken through you. Now, if you go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, it's after God spoke to Abram and told him what he wanted to do, Abraham moved out to do it. And it says in Genesis 12, verse 7, that the Lord appeared to Abram. 
Then it says this again in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. God said, I am the almighty God. I am the many-breasted God. I am El Shaddai. I am the God who's more than enough. I have so much sufficiency running out of me. You don't even have room enough to conceive it. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will multiply you exceedingly. When you get a revelation of who God is, then you, you can begin to see who God is manifest in your own life. But the Bible actually says three times, it says it in Genesis 12, 7, 17, 1, and 18, 1, the Lord appeared to him. It was Abram. The Lord appeared to him. Abram had a personal revelation. He had a personal encounter with God. And then in Genesis chapter 26, we see it says the Lord appeared to him. That was speaking to, of Isaac. Not only did Abraham have a personal revelation, Isaac had a personal revelation. And then if you go a little bit farther in Genesis chapter 32, verse 30, when, when Jacob was coming back into the land and he was operating in a lot of fear, because Esau was coming with 400 men. I mean, it might cause a little fear, right? Because he ran from his brother after he got the blessing, right? He honored the birthright. He was, Jacob was really a man of faith. He honored the birthright. He honored the covenant of family. He honored the covenant of tithing. There's about 10 things that Jacob did that you can plainly say he was a man of faith. You can look at Esau and say he was an unbeliever. Esau despised the birthright because he was an unbeliever. If you despise the birthright, you move out, miss out on the blessing. But Jacob's coming back into the land, and he's dealing with a lot of fear. And when he's coming back into the land, he's dealing with that. It's the Lord appeared to him, and God spoke some things to him. And guess what? Jacob, who became Israel, got a personal revelation. In fact, I've heard this said by very credible people. I believe it's true. God has no grandchildren. In other words, you need to personally experience, amen, God. You need to hear what God is saying so you can go where God wants you to go and do what God wants you to do and have what God wants you to have. Praise the Lord. You need to personally experience God. You know what? I had a personal experience with God. I got born again in 1972 when I was eight years old, but when I was in 1978, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and called to preach, and God changed my life. Now, my children, because they live with me, they, they saw my personal relationship, and they learned from things they learned from me. And now they have a personal relationship. They have a personal experience of God. But you know what I'm really looking forward to? When my grandchildren have a personal revelation, when my grandchildren have a personal relationship with God, because I want this thing to go to the next generation. Amen? In fact, I believe God spoke some things to me, and he told me, listen, it takes faith, and it takes, you know, things for the, for the first generation to move into what God has them. But if you're going to get it to the next generation, you've got to learn how to manage what God's given you or you're going to 
the next generation. And they have to have a personal experience of it. They have, have a personal revelation, not just a head knowledge. There are a lot of people today that have a head knowledge of the Word of God, that have a head knowledge of the promises of God, but they have no personal revelation. They have no personal experience of it. And if you don't get a personal experience, you know what? Isaiah said this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He had a personal experience. He had a personal revelation, and we need to get a personal revelation. Amen? So God appeared to Abraham. God appeared to Isaac. God appeared to Jacob. And Jacob said in Genesis 32, verse 30, I have seen God face to face. And he called the name of the place Peniel. And God changed his name. I believe it was a pre-incarnate form of Christ to Israel. As a prince, you have power with God and men and have prevailed. Hallelujah. We need a personal revelation. Sometimes things people say, you know, I'm like, you know what? They don't have a personal revelation. They're just saying that, but they have no personal revelation of what God, to, you know, wants them to do, where God wants them to go, what God wants us to have. The third thing that I have in this message, and I want to keep it tight right now, is it takes the grace of God to complete the purpose of God. You cannot complete God's purposes without God's grace or God's power. And in, in Genesis 13, verse 18, after God appeared to Abram, said, lift up your eyes and look. Look north, south, east, and the west. All the land you see, I'll give it to you. Then he said, walk through the land in verse 17. It says, then Abraham got up, moved his tent, went to Mamre, and at Mamre he built an altar to the Lord. In other words, he was saying, without God, this is impossible. You see, I, think that, I believe that all things are possible with God. I believe that all things are possible with those who believe. Amen? But without God. See, Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, without me, you can do nothing. When I first started out in the ministry, I'm like, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we started our first church in Kit Carson, Colorado in 1988, there was something in me said, I can do this. But when we moved to Colorado Springs in 2001, I told Barbara, if Jesus don't show up, baby, we are toast. It's over. We're done. We need the absolute grace of God. And we need to learn how to rely on the grace of God. In fact, in Zechariah chapter 4, if you want to go there with me to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Then he answered and spoke to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain, and he will bring forth the headstone with shouting, crying grace, grace to it. Zerubbabel had started to rebuild the temple and he had laid the foundation. He did that at the command of Cyrus, the Persian king. But Xerxes, a Babylonian ruler, complained about it. And, and so for a time, they ceased rebuilding that temple. But then Darius, the media Persian ruler, 
went and studied it out and found out that Cyrus told them to do it and he commanded them to resume the building. And so in the middle of that, when it looked like you started out, but you're not going to finish, right? You're not going to complete. You're not going to get done. The, the, the word of the Lord came to him and said, listen, you laid the foundation and you're going to lay the capstone. You are going to finish what you began. And he goes on. He says, then the hands of Zerubbabel laid the foundation of this house. His hands in verse 9 will finish it. He says, and you will know that the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, the God of angel armies has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For they will rejoice that see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. These are the eyes of the Lord that run to and fro throughout the whole earth. I love 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking whom he can show himself strong towards the heart of him whose heart is perfect towards him. Amen. God wants to show himself strong if we just get our heart, if we just get our mind and our will and our emotions lined up with our spirit and get going in the right direction. Amen. But it takes the grace of God. In fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, when he was talking about the other apostles that went before him, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And then he said, and he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Did you know what? It's really easy to move from grace to works. But then he caught himself and he said, it's not me but it's the grace of God that's with me. You see, I believe fully it takes the grace of God to fulfill the purpose of God. My last verse for you today is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and it says that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think through the power that works in us. And so I ask you, what power works in us? We have the power of the Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the power of the Word of God. We've been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that lives and abides forever. We have the power of the Holy Ghost. But finally, we have the power of the love of God or the grace of God. And if you read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 in context, it's talking about getting a revelation of the love and the grace of God. And when you get a revelation of the love of God, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can even ask or think according to the power that works in us. So my conclusion it's simple. We have places to go. We have things to do, and we have territory to possess. We find it in Christ. We follow the Holy Spirit, but we fulfill it through the grace of God that is with us. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.